Good morning, everybody. All right. I want to greet those of you who are in our campuses today in Waterbury, New Milford, or Derby. And for those of you online, too, my name is Brian. And uh, we are continuing on in this sermon series called Good Question. And the question today is why church? Why church? Maybe you asked that question this morning. <laughs> why? <laughs> Why do I have to go to church? Why is church so important? I remember a couple weeks ago, um, Beck and I were out shopping. The two older girls were away, and we had the two younger girls. And um, it was my responsibility for a moment to, to watch the girls, the two younger ones, and they went missing. It was in TJ Maxx, so all fairness, everything goes missing in TJ Maxx, and it's very hard to find. So... Um, all of a sudden, my heart began to race a little bit. I'm like, oh no, where do these kids go? And they can get places fast these days. So I'm looking around. I'm going through every aisle. Some time's passed, and so now it's become a real mission, right? I'm going to find these kids. And if anybody has them, I'm taking them down, and it's going to be like a, a pastor Instagram video that's going to go viral, okay? And I'm searching. Now I'm even beginning to call out their names, and so people are kind of, you know, looking around and looking at me. I'm calling out their names. And I'm like, they went missing. I'm going to find these kids no matter what. And then I went back, and, and Becca was in the dressing room. So I just called, Becca, Becca. And I didn't want to do this because I didn't want to admit that I had lost the children, right? But I said, Becca, Becca, do you know where the girls are? And she said, oh, yeah, they're back here with me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's like, oh, thank you. Of course they are. I saw them go in with you. <laughs> of course they are. But they went missing. Have you ever had something gone, gone missing and, and you, you searched for it with all of your heart? I wonder if the purpose of the church has gone missing. And this is a moment for all of us to search with all of our heart for who we are and why we're here. I don't know about you, but if it's gone missing even the slightest bit, I, I want to rediscover who the church is. I wanted to rediscover what our purpose is, what our mission is. You know, I love the church. <laughs> I've given much of my life to serve the church. I love the church. It's in the context of the church that I grew up in the Lord. The church is an amazing, amazing thing. I, I love the church. I love talking about the church. And so I want to share with you today a little picture of, of what the church is and then I want to share just personally what the church has meant to me as a way to answer this question, why church? You know, the church is really important to the Lord, too. Like, so important. We read in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says this, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. Now catch this, which he bought with his own blood. Wow, the, the church must really mean something to the Lord, that he would come as one of us to purchase the church, to purchase the people of God in this way. But the purpose of the church is always under attack, always under the attack. The evil one would love for each and every one of us to misplace our purpose. The evil one would love that. The evil one would be winning the day if he could get, just get us to forget our purpose and concentrate on distractions. It would be a complete victory for the evil one. 
And that's why it's so important for us to periodically remember what our purpose is. Why church? Why church? Let me start by just talking a little bit about what church is, and then I want to share five reasons with you why church is so important to me, which I think will become kind of a biblical framework for why church is important to us. But let's start with what church is. In fact, let's start with what church is not. Uh, church is not a building. We often get into that habit, and it's okay you know, to say, oh, we're going to church, to the building, but church is not a building. Church is not an institution either. Another thing I think it's really important to say is that church is not perfect. It's not perfect. If you're here for the first time, I'm just going to say we're sorry already. <laughs> At some point, we're going to say something that might hurt one another. At some point, we might not show up when we should have shown up. We're humans. I often say that we're real people serving a real Jesus, right? And that's, that's part of who we are as church. We're, we're not perfect people. In fact, we're, we're trying to become more and more like Jesus Christ through the power of his spirit. Uh, scripture teaches us that we are being transformed. This is who we are. And so we do that in the context of a community here. And so, so we're not a building. Church is not a building. It's not an institution. Uh, the church is certainly not perfect. So what is church? Church is a family. It's a family. It's not... It's not a program you attend or an event you, you go to. Church is a spiritual family that you belong to. This is what church is, a spiritual family that you belong to. I think probably the best picture of church comes in the book of Acts, and uh, you can find it in, in after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts, and Acts chapter two gives an account of the very first church, the early church. And in just a few verses here, in chapter two, verses 42 through 47, you see a beautiful picture of who the church is. I wanna encourage you, if you're able, to, to, to pull that up. And I'm also gonna be in Hebrews chapter 10 as well. You can kind of have those two places marked. If you don't have a Bible with you or a phone with you today, you can go back and watch this message. I would encourage you to take these scriptures down and uh, study them through the week and ask the Lord to reveal things to you. Here's, here's a picture of the church. There's a slide that's gonna come up as well and you can either take a, a photo of it, but these are 10 markers. There are probably about 25 or 30 markers just in this passage, but let me give you 10 real quick so that we know what we're talking about when we're talking about church. This is a picture of church. It says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. There's four of them right there in that little section there. What is church? Church is a family of believers. Church is a group of people who have said to themselves, we are committed to believing in Jesus Christ. This is where our belief is. This is who our faith is in. We are here as church together because we have a king and his name is Jesus. And we're doing everything we can to learn from Jesus, to be transformed by Jesus. This is our unifying point, is Jesus Christ. And so what is church? It's a family of believers, believers in Christ Jesus. They are also a family that's devoted to growing 
in Jesus. Did you catch here that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching? We'll talk a little bit more about that. But a, a church is a group of people who know they haven't arrived yet. They're a group of people who know that the Lord is transforming them and they want to grow in Jesus. A church is also a family who fellowships together. Did you catch that? To fellowship and to sharing in meals. That actually as church family, we should know one another. We should rub shoulders with one another. We should be serving together. Uh, we should know one another, should be checking in on one another, encouraging one another. We should know about one another. We should know each other's gifts. We should encourage each other in one another's gifts. We should fellowship together. I often say we need to party more. You heard me say that before? You're not listening? <laughs> well, I'm gonna start saying it more. We need to party more. We need to be fellowshipping together more, getting to know each other more. And then the fourth one here is that a church is a, excuse me, a family that prays. Church is a group of people that believes in the power of prayer. That prayer actually can move mountains. That we have access to an almighty God who hears us when we speak to him. This is part of what it means to be church. Let's go on. In verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Two more things, your markers. The church is a family who moves in power. I love that. They perform many miraculous signs and wonders. Actually, the way the church lives in the power of the Spirit ought to bring about signs and wonders that God is real and alive. That's exciting. <laughs> Actually, the way that we live, the way that we obey and follow the Spirit of God, that people should take notice of that because they're seeing God in and through us. But not just that, but a church is a family that shares. We see each other's needs and we want to meet them. Let's move on. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Let's hit a couple here. The next one is that they, a church, is a family, a family that helps others. We have a mission and it's not just to love and support and meet the needs of other believers. No, it's to see and meet the needs of those around us, those in our communities, those around the globe. This is part of what it means to be the church. But also, a, family, a church is a family that worships together, that worships Jesus. And it's a family that's generous, that doesn't hold on to things tightly, but has open hands. And then finally, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. The church is a family that should be multiplying. Actually, because of the way that we live, the evidence of Jesus in our lives, that people should be attracted to Jesus because of that. I wonder right now in our world, are people attracted to the church? And if not, why not? And how can we be something a little bit different? These are 10 markers of what it means to be church. A great list, right? A wonderful picture of who we're called 
to be. Now let me answer why church. I wanna do this from a personal standpoint. Just as I reflect back on, on my years of being a part of this church family, this spiritual family, uh, what's the benefits? Why, why should we be a part of this spiritual family? Let me give you five reasons. The first is this. Why church? Well, for me, because I need a place to belong. In fact, I think we all need a place to belong. We're created to be in fellowship. We're created to have a place of belonging. I found this research study done by Harvard Business Review. Uh, they partnered up with Better Up Coaching Network in, in 2019. They surveyed over 1,700 full-time U.S. workers, and they're trying to measure the importance of belonging. They wanted to see, are there any tangible outcomes when a person feels a sense of belonging to the place where they work? And they found out several things. Here are a few of them. High belonging was linked to a whopping 56% increase in job performance. So when somebody felt like they belonged in the organization, there was a 56% increase in their job performance. A 50% drop in turnover risk. I like this one. And a 75% reduction in sick days. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? So what that means is that when a person feels a sense of belonging in the place that they are, in this case where they work, they're less likely to call in sick. They're more likely to want to be there. <laughs> they feel like they're contributing. They're a part of what's happening. All of us search for places of belonging. I would suggest that we need to belong more than we want to belong. We've been created to be a part of a family. So now let's ask the question, where do we belong? Do you want to know where you belong? <laughs> it gives us this in Hebrews chapter 10, which was our, our scripture reading. And I'm going to go through chapter 10, verses 21 through about 25. And in this part of Hebrews chapter 10, there are four statements that start with two words. And the two words are, let us. And through the message, I'm going to share those let us statements. Essentially, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is this is what it means to be the body of Christ. This is what it means to be this spiritual family seeking Jesus together. Let us. So the first statement goes like this in verse 21 and 22. It says, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. This is your place. Your place is in the presence of God. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? That you have a full access pass into the presence of God. You don't need me. You don't need a priest. All you need is Jesus. And you are in the presence of God. Through Christ Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Not through me, not through a priest, through Jesus Christ. And now you have access to the presence of God. This is where you belong as a child of God. In Jesus, we can come into the presence of God. And in the presence of God, this is where healing is. 
This is where joy is. This is where refreshment is. So what does this have to do with the church? If we belong in the presence of God, well, why church? Can't I just do that on my own? Here's why church. You belong in the presence of God, and it's in the context of the church that I've been taught the things of God. If I belong in the presence of God, then then I need the church, I need the, the people of God to teach me and show me how to do that. Listen, friends, if you want to learn how to play golf, you can join a golf club. If you want to learn how to to run, you want to be more active in running, then you should join a a running club. If you want to become more fit, then then join a workout club. If you want to learn how to sail, then join a, a, a boating club. But if you want to grow in the things of the Lord, then get around the people of God. They're going to be the ones who, who teach you and help you transform and change and, and understand your place in the presence of God. Why, church? Because I need a place to belong. And I think we all need a place to belong. Why, church? Secondly, because I can't face my problems alone. I think in our Western American culture, we like to think I can face my problems on my own. And if I do, I'm going to be honored for it. We can't face our problems alone. This world is, is too difficult. It throws too many curveballs at us for us to be walking alone. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Now catch this. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. We need the wisdom of others to guide us, sometimes to rescue us. <laughs> to help us climb out of the trouble we've gotten ourselves into or to help us avoid trouble that we're about to get ourselves into. We often recite 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, where it says he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. We need each other. Have you ever had that friend that's come to you and they, they've gone through a season that you're currently in and it's brought you so much strength They've given you wisdom that you wouldn't have had if you didn't know them. Let's go to Hebrews again, the second let us statement. In verse 23, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now remember, these let us statements are given to the community. The the writer of Hebrews is saying this is going to happen in the context of community. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we have. Why church? Because we can't face our own problems. And oftentimes we're a people who lose hope. And without the company of believers, we might go into some real dark places. But when we're in the community... We're able to hold on to our hope unwaveringly. Beck and I and our kids were watching this show right now called Alone. Has anybody seen this show, Alone? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. This is where they drop 10 people just in the wilderness by themselves, and they have 10 items they can take with them, and it's a competition to see who can last the longest out there. Can they last up to 100 days? One guy made it 100 days out by himself with only 10 tools. Now, we've been watching season four, which is a little bit different. In this season, they're partners, and so two people go together. 
Now, what they do is interesting. They take one of them and they drop them at their main location out in the wilderness. And then they take the other one, a spouse or a, or a sibling, and they drop them 10 miles away. And they say, here's what you got to do. You, the, the one over here 10 miles away, you have to hike through the wilderness and get to your partner. This is amazing. For many of them, it took 10 or 11 days to get that 10 miles to find them. All they had was a compass. Many of the teams, spoiler alert, didn't ever make it to meet one another. But the ones that did, there was always these moments where they'd call out thinking they were close and then no response would come. And they would lose hope. There was one instance where this team of brothers, they were about to give up, both of them. It's day 11 and they haven't found each other. And finally, the brother's like, I'm just going to give one last holler and see if I can find my brother. He yells out his name. And there's waiting, waiting. And then all of a sudden, he hears his brother call back to him. This man who was depleted, who could not take another step, all of a sudden was revived with life again. And he began to, to move as quickly as he could, and he embraced his brother. I, I think of that picture, and I think, wow, it's amazing how another person, the company of others, can reestablish hope in our lives. We need each other. We might not like to say that, but we, we desperately need each other. I think these last two years have been an exercise in us understanding that we need each other. We need each other. Why, church? Because I need a place to belong and because I can't face my problems alone. We need each other to help us discern the voice of God, to keep our hope alive in times of struggle, to provide wisdom. We need each other to keep us from damaging ourselves and, and others. We need each other to help us determine our calling. Third reason, why, church? Because I need help to grow. You know, Matthew 28 gives a great commission to us that we're to go and make disciples. And all of us are disciples. We're, we're people who have committed our lives to Jesus and we're, we're growing in the Lord. And we're to help each other do that. We're to help each other in our walk with Jesus. We should all have people who are deliberately and intentionally walking with us in our faith. You need that to grow. You need it. I'm so thankful for the mentors I've had in my life. Ever since I was 15 years old, I've always had a mentor in my life. Currently, I have three people that I meet with on a monthly basis. I'm so thankful for them as they give me insight and wisdom and encouragement. I don't know what I would do without these mentors. I'm so thankful for them. Let's go to Hebrews again, the third let us statement. In verse 24, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You know, friends, the blessing of the Christian community is that we help each other grow. Let's go back to the picture in Acts chapter 2 of the church. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Why did they do that? Why did they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching? I think they did it because they knew that they hadn't arrived yet. They knew that they, they needed to learn more and grow more in the Lord. And I think they were eager to learn more and grow more in the Lord. And so they devoted themselves to those who could teach them. They had room to grow in their faith walk. They knew they could grow in their love for one another, 
their understanding of God, their compassion for others, in their gifting. And so they wanted to devote themselves to the teaching of the word so that they could grow. Well, one of my best friends is a guy named Chris Vitarello. He's one of our worship leaders you've seen him many times. And there's going to come a picture up of him. This is a great picture. Chris has lots of great pictures playing his guitar. Chris, he hates when I say this, but he's actually in the Blues Hall of Fame. He's very good at the guitar. Very good if you've heard him. Very good. The thing I love about Chris, though, is that he hasn't stopped learning. You look at a guy like him and you go to one of his concerts and you say, you have mastered playing the guitar. And he would say to you, no, I, have still, I still have more room to grow. New genres, new ways to play this instrument. I'm constantly discovering new things about it. I love that he, he's not just dedicated himself to, I've mastered this thing. No, he's devoted himself to learning more. I wonder, friends, for you, how do you want to grow in the Lord? Does the Lord want to do something in you? Are you thinking about that? Is this on your mind? Lord, how can I grow in you? It should be. It constantly should be, Lord, I want to grow more in you. I want to know more about you. I want you to reveal yourself more. I want you to help me understand the gifts you've given me more. This is what should make us come alive, is growing in the Lord. Do you want to grow in your knowledge of the word of God? Do you want to grow in your love for others? Do you want to grow your heart for caring for those who are hurting? Do you want to grow in your desire to encourage one another? Do you want to grow in your gifting, the, the specific tailor-made gifts that God has given you? How do you want to grow? And how do you think this is going to happen? It's not going to happen by us just kind of waking up in the morning and being, ah, I've grown. <laughs> no, it happens through intentionality, through devotion, and through walking with others who can help us. Beck and I were just in Zion National Park in Utah, and one day, we were, we were doing a wedding there, but we had a free day, and so we decided to rent these dune buggies. It was a ton of fun. And we were driving around in these dune buggies through the desert and through rocks, and I gotta tell you, they don't train you how to use these things. They just kinda send you out there. And in the first 20 minutes, Becca and I got ourselves in a pretty crazy situation. I won't go into it, but I'm just going to tell you the little video they showed us before we got out there of things tumbling and all that kind of stuff. I could see how that happens really fast. And we got a little bit nervous. But then we saw this group of other dune buggies going by. And we noticed that the person in the front was, was a guide. And he had this microphone on and he was speaking to the, the dune buggies behind him, telling them where to go, how to drive the machine. And so I said to myself, I'm going to follow them. So we got right behind this group and didn't have to pay for it. And we got right behind this group, right? And we were driving and, 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 and this guy was teaching us how to drive the machine so that it would climb rocks and get over the sand dunes. And now all of a sudden we became more confident in what we were doing. But we wouldn't have been if we didn't have the guide. I wonder, do you have a guide in your life? And if you don't, do you know where you're going? Do you know what you're doing? 
I'm so thankful for, for guides. We need the family of God to grow in the things of God. Let's not be so naive to think that we're gonna grow in God without other people. How do you grow? You devote yourself to the word of God, to the teaching of the apostles. You devote yourself to walking with people who know, love, and serve Jesus. Who's walking with you? And if you don't have the answer to that question, let me be so bold to say, get the answer to that question fast. If you wanna grow in the things of the Lord, you need people walking with you. Fourth, why church? Because I wanna see Jesus. And there's a promise in scripture. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, it says this. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Jesus is saying this. All right, Jesus, I'm gonna take you up on your word. And so I'm gonna get around as many Christians as I possibly can. I'm gonna have them over for dinner. I'm gonna meet them in my church on Sundays. I'm gonna get into a small group context. I'm going to be around believers. Why? Because Jesus, you told me where two or three are gathered, you are with me. And I wanna see Jesus. I wanna see Jesus. God reveals himself through the church, through the people of God. Now listen, you can absolutely meet Jesus in your one-on-one -on -one time with him. It's what we call our first 20. He will meet you there. But this is not the only way. I think he most fully reveals himself through the body of Christ. You know what, if, if I gave you a paint by number, one of those big paint by numbers, and I just gave you one color, this is kind of our lives. We have this one color and, and you'd paint in your number and you'd go through the whole paint by number. You'd do your color in that one spot and you'd look back and you, and you might say, wow, that, that, there's beauty in that. Wow, there, there's, something's been revealed in that. And, and yes, we can meet the Lord with the, the color we've been given, with the gifts we've been given, with how he's created us, but the Lord is more fully revealed in the context of being able to see all the colors walking together, enjoying each other's gifts and personalities, worship. It's this beautiful tapestry. And friends, I wanna see Jesus in fullness. And that's why I get so excited to gather together. That's why I get so excited to, to be with one another because I know God's gonna be, he's gonna fulfill his promise in that moment. And we're gonna get to see him. Fifth and finally, why church? Because there's work to be done. Isn't it wonderful that we have a mission? The Lord doesn't just set us aside, but he, he calls us to a great purpose. We are a people with a mission, sent out to share Jesus, to bring life through the power of the Spirit to all that we meet. And there's a lot of work to be done, isn't there? There is. And we can't forget our mission. If we lose our mission, we lose the very essence of who we are. As church, we're called to be the light in darkness. We're called to bring the love of Jesus Christ. We're called to introduce people to our Savior. We're called to be peacemakers. We have a great mission into our world. And if we forget that mission, or if we pause on that mission, we're no longer the complete church. In fact, we're really no longer the church. Do you remember those guys in high school who liked to work out? 
but they only worked out their upper bodies and not their legs. Do you remember these guys? Yeah, they kind of look like this, right? It's like they're huge in the upper body and then they got toothpicks for legs, right? This is not a complete workout program here that this person's going through. Sometimes I think the church looks like this. These big upper bodies, you know, meeting together, worshiping together, getting around the word of God, which is good. It's good to be strong in that way. But we can't have tiny legs. We can't neglect the fact that we have been called to get out there and bring the love of Jesus to our world. To bring forgiveness, to be the people that show the world what it means to to extend grace, the grace of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the power of Jesus. And this is our call. And there's a lot of work to be done. Our community needs us. Our world needs us. And so this is why church. And church can happen in lots of different contexts. Friends, those of you who are online, I want to encourage you, don't just watch alone. Invite others in. Fill your homes with people. For those of you who are coming to one of our campuses, I want to encourage you to eagerly come every week. Every week you can. Why? Because where two or three are gathered, he's going to show up. What if we all came to church each week with this expectation that we're going to hear from God together? How is renewal, revival, and awakening going to come? It's going to come by God's people gathering together and him speaking and transforming his people to go out into the world and bring the love of Jesus. Let me share the last let us as I close. In Hebrews 10, verse 25, it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Friends, I think there are people who are breaking up with the church. I think there are people who are dating the church. (laughs) I want to challenge you to covenant with the church. I want to challenge you to engage with the church. Let me just break the news. As you do, you're going to find out that it's an imperfect people but you're also gonna find out that Jesus is gonna meet you there and do powerful things in and through you. I wanna encourage you, if you've decided to break up with the church, I wanna encourage you to come back, to come back, to ask the Lord to to direct you into a, a church community, a family, the family of God community that's going to help you grow in your faith. If you're just dating the church, kind of coming in and out and kind of whenever ever you want, I want to encourage you to covenant with the church, the family of God, because this is the context in which you're going to grow in your faith. For all of us, I want to encourage us to engage in the life of the church. The church is amazing. The church is amazing. Not many people are saying that right now, but the church is amazing. The church is God's idea, the bride of Christ. His idea to mobilize the gospel and introduce Jesus to the world today. The church is amazing. The church is in every corner of the world, feeding the hungry. I've seen it. I was on the border of Ukraine about a month ago. Do you know who's at the border right now? The church. 
That's who's there. The church is feeding people right now. It's the church that's taking in orphans, caring for the sick and wounded, helping people overcome addictions, freeing people from injustice, sharing the love of Jesus across the globe. You should be proud to be a part of God's church. God's church is amazing. God's church is amazing. God's church is amazing. Not perfect, but when God is the king of his church, God's church is amazing, doing amazing things throughout the world. It's something to be proud of, something to be proud to be a part of, that you have a place to belong in the presence of God in the midst of his community, the children of God. Hey, I pray that this message has been helpful to us, that we know our our purpose and why we we gather and the importance of of being uh, with Christ's followers. I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Friends, let's, uh, let's stand together. Let's stand together. I know that, that whole message I'm preaching to the choir sitting here, I get that. You're all here, but it's good for us to just be reminded of who we are. And I don't know about you, but these last two years there have been a lot of distractions in our world, haven't there? Is that true? There's been a few, right? And it's been really easy, I think, for us to kind of focus on the wrong things. And um, I'm speaking about this personally, too. As I look back on my past two years, I think there are some areas that I focused on too much. Too much, too much time, too much energy, too much passion went into these things. And it, and it caused me to, to not focus where I needed to focus, on Jesus Christ. And I just want to lean in a prayer of repentance over that. You can choose to join me in this or not. It's completely up to you. But I know for myself, I need this moment just to confess to the Lord. Lord, man, I've had my, my eyes in the past in, in the wrong places. And, um, and Jesus, I need you to help me refocus on the purpose of what it means to be called together. So Lord, I just pray right now for us as church, for everyone who wants to join me in, in, this, in this prayer in their hearts, Lord. Uh, we repent of those times where we've, we've focused on the wrong things. Where um, we move beyond being informed on things to actually being controlled by things. And Lord, we just want to come back to you and say, Lord, we want our focus to be on you. As church, Lord, we we want you to be the center of it all. (laughs) Lord, we want to see Jesus. We want to see you move in power. And Lord, you do it through your church. And so, Lord, I pray that you would heal wounds within your church. I pray that you'd offer forgiveness where we've gone astray. And Lord, I pray that you would just align all of us to this great mission that we would covenant with you and your church. Oh, Lord, come and and do a great work within us. Yeah, Lord, I pray that you would be so evident in this church's life that many people would want to come and find out who you are. Yeah, Lord, I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.